Hello, hello, hello. It's episode seven of Love Essie, the podcast. Woo! Imagine someone's cheering and it's not me sounding crazy. Anyway, um, yes, it's episode seven. And I'm pretty sure last week I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna talk about next week. Uh, but I do know. Um, I'm on to book four of the Side Changeling series by Nalini Singh. Um, and this book is called Mind to Possess. And you're probably like, dear God, another Nalini Singh book. Yeah, guys. So sorry. Not sorry, though. Uh, I plan to do all of the books in the series before Alpha Knight comes out on June 9th. So, uh, you know, please join me for the, the fun ride. You know, you, you gonna like it. You gonna like it. You gonna love it. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. Anyway. Um, this book, I guess it made me think of like second chance and that specific trope and, uh, made me also realize, I don't, I don't know if I read a lot of that. Um, in last week's episode, I had talked about how I listened to Shelf Love's mini-sode about secret baby romance and how some people love that trope and some people hate that trope and, you know, all that in between. And I think... I'm realizing now, like, I don't specifically search out tropes. And I sometimes have a hard time. Like, I will literally put in a title on Google, like, tropes about blah, blah, blah. Because I'll be like, I, I, I don't know. What are, what are, what the hell is he trope? I mean, there's, like, the big ones, right? Friends to lovers, enemies to lovers, secret baby or secret pregnancy, um, second chance. But, you know, there's, there's, I, there seem to be more. I'm sure you're like, Esther, you forgot this one and this one and this one and this one and I'm gonna be like yeah because like I don't that's not how I do um and so I don't necessarily like read a book and I'm like and that was that trope I'm like girl what but there are certain ones that I've realized I do really enjoy enemies to lovers love it friends to lovers I actually really like friends to lovers I think and no I like it both in a contemporary sense and in a historical I'm trying to think if I've read paranormals that have friends to lovers. I don't know. I that I'd have to like look through. But since none are coming to mind, I probably haven't. Um, or if I have, it was like a while ago, and my poor brain is like, "Girl, we there's too many books. Uh, the roller decks is too deep. We do not have the time." Um, so, but like second chance is definitely one that I'm like, mm. and I definitely like when I'm reading like like a book description. I'm like, oh yeah, so they were together once. I really want to read this um and I think it's because a part of me is like so y'all tried once and failed why why do I want to read this and it it does depend on the circumstances um I think it can work um and I'm going to give you guys later two examples of contemporaries that I think did a really good job of the the trope um and also, there are, like, recent releases. So if you're like, oh, my God, Esther, thank you so much for giving us a recommendation for a book that's out of print or a book that, like, we can't find. No, girl, no. Them shits came out in the last, like, three months max? Four? In which case, you will most definitely be able to find them. And I'm pretty sure... 
oh, they're both indie published. So, <laughs> yes, you will definitely be able to find them. What? Anyway, um, but yes, uh, that is sort of something that I will be touching on a little bit later. Um, I guess I'm going to do... Well, no one said, but I'm like, should I do the spoiler part first? So you can be like, ah. No, I feel like I should do the non-spoiler part, then the spoiler part, and then, like, the other books. Or should I do the other books that I said I was going to do at the end first? That's, I'm going to stick to what I've been doing. And if you're like, Esther, I hate that, you're going to have to tell me by messaging me on, you know, sending me a tweet or sending me a, a a DM on the Instagram like the youngins do. I say this like I'm that old and I'm not that old. I mean, I'm not that young either, but I'm not like that. Anyway, anyway, focus. I say to my audience, like, you guys love me. Okay, so Mind to Possess. We are book four in this series. And last book, we went to Snowdancer. We met we really met the wolves. We really got to sort of see what life is like in that pack. This book, we're back. We're back at Dark Hunter. Uh, you're like, damn, already? That was fast. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll see the wolves again. And, we'll, and we, you know, we, we get tastes of the, you know, a little bit of taste of them in this book. But we're back at Dark Hunter. Now, we'll, we get in this book that we have not yet seen, my peoples, my friends my listeners we get a changeling human pairing that's right changeling and human you're like what changeling and human changeling human shit what because up until this point it's been what it's been changeling and sigh changeling and sigh sigh and changeling changeling and sigh but in book four everything changes and it is changeling and human human and changeling something we have not yet seen we think we know what we're about to see but we don't know because we have not seen it yet so yes we get to know uh and much better clay bennett who is a dark hunter sentinel and we meet talon mccade a human and you're like, girl, what? So, I don't know if I made this clear at the beginning. In this world, there are technically three races or, or group, you know, whatever. You've got side people, mental powers, changelings can turn into animals, and then you got humans. Uh, they don't have mental powers. They can't turn into humans. Uh, or, sorry, they can't turn into <laughs> animals. <laughs> so, it's kind of like, so in many ways... You can see why a lot of people, humans included, would think the side people are at the top because they, you know, literally can move things with their minds and teleport and see inside the human body. Um, then you got changelings who can turn into animals. Now, for non-predatory changelings, it's like, oh, cool, I can turn into a deer or I can turn into a mouse um, or a rat or uh, any other varied number of animals but for predatory changelings it's like girl i can turn into a wolf a leopard a lion a falcon like you know that's that's the idea so even though these they're you know 
some are predatory and some are non-predatory, the idea is that they are at, at least stronger in, you know, their physicality is stronger because of the fact that they, their bodies more for shift between human, a human body and an animal body. So humans, I guess for many people are going to be ranked at the bottom. They can't do shit with their brains. I mean, like they can think, but like they can't like move things with their minds and they can't like teleport and they can't, you know, for example, they cannot, you know, disintegrate a heart and make it look like a heart attack. Like that's not possible. Um, they can't turn into animals. They, they don't, they are fleet of foot. They don't have, you know, the night sight of a cat. Like they, they're legit just regular, regular, everyday humans. So, some, not some, a lot of people, both humans and non-humans, probably see humans as worker bees, as sort of, you know, those people down there that don't really have a whole lot going on for them. They're just human. Uh, You know, they live, you know, because cool, but like they're not seen as a source of power in any sort of way in this world at this time. Has that always been the case? We find out not quite. Um, there is going to be... There's a reason why we learn so much about human sort of um, contribution. And what I think having... Like I said, I've read the whole series multiple times. But this is the time that I'm really focusing in on details and like, you know, highlighting my ebook to hell and back. And... Malini Singh in this book he literally hands us the information um, that we are going to see, uh, you know, like nine, ten books later. And the reason for that, right? The reason for why humans are so vital is apparent in this book, but it is such a almost throwaway moment. Um, even, well, at least it felt like to me, like it just seemed like, oh, cool, a moment, awesome. And now, having, knowing what I know, I'm like, damn, woman, you were telling us from the jump. I'm sure that there are readers out there who are like, yeah, girl, you didn't, you didn't see that coming. No, why? Because Esther can be foolish sometimes. She doesn't put the pieces together. Uh, so for those of you who put the pieces together, I applaud you great job but for those of you who are like me who are like girl what listen listen all i gotta say is the genius the genius that is nalini saying she's like i mean if she ever listens to this she's gonna be like could this girl stop calling me a genius i can't your books are that good so sorry (laughs) i mean not sorry not sorry at all um so yes book four we go back to dark hunter uh, we get to see, uh, in this, in essence, a new kind of pairing because now we need to see what are sort of the dynamics between someone, a man who can turn into an animal, um, leopard, and a woman who is just human. Um, because in the, in the previous cases, right, Judd and Brenna's case, Judd can turn, or Judd, Brenna can turn into a wolf, but Judd is like a crazy telekinetic, like power right so in terms of the kind of power that they bring to their relationship some might say well it's not that imbalanced like jenna has all of the or jenna wow that can be their ship name but that's not her name 
Brenna, Brenna uh, can, isn't necessarily going to be seen as like very under power in, you know, in comparison to Judd. Uh, whereas in this book, you're just kind of like, okay, changeling and then someone who like is a human. Now, is Talon a regular, regular human? I mean, kind of, but not quite. Uh, she's not... Ju- we start also to see in this book what this world can be because of what it once was. And you're going, what, Esther? So... Again, silence is introduced in 1979, or the, is co- not introduced, is fully implemented in 1979. It's introduced before that point. But silence as a protocol for the entire Psy race is implemented in 1979. Uh, fast forward to book one, it's 2079. I don't know if book four were already in 2080, if a year has passed. I'm not entirely sure. But what that means is... It's been a hundred years of this, this current status quo. But before this current status quo, right? Before the implementation of silence, psi people, humans, and changelings intermingled in a way that they do not now, right? Because the psi before 1979 had emotion, felt love, felt joy, felt rage, felt, you know, envy, felt jealousy, felt greed, felt felt they felt they had feelings they you know were like everyone else they had their powers but like changelings and like humans they felt feelings which means that like just like we're seeing in these books you're gonna have side people who fall in love and mate with changelings you're gonna have side people who fall in love and marry human you're you're gonna have changeling with human and and so what that also has to mean is that there are people in this world who have a grandparent that was psi a great grandmother that was psi a you know a father well in at in current day no one has a father that is psi that is outside of the psi structure because that's a no-no but a hundred years ago yes so yes it's been a hundred years but like if your great-grandmother was psi what if your great-grandmother was psi married to a changeling who was half psi so like wouldn't their kids be uh i i don't know genetics is hard for me but like you know half plus a makes you two-thirds whatever imagine what i'm trying to get the point at and you're like esther that's not how genetic works in this podcast it is so that must mean that those sort of traits don't just disappear because we stop being like in the same and then it also means the question what happened to all those people when silence is implemented who chose not to take silence on who were too old um because it just when silence is implemented, you're obviously going to have children. You're going to have those the parents of those children, the grandparents of those children, and possibly the great-grandparents of those children. Um, some people are going to be like, yo, this is wild. This is stupid. I'm not doing this. So what happened to those people? Where did those people go? Where did those people's kids go? Where did those people's kids' kids? Bam, 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 bam. Bringing us to this book where we are, like, informed that, hey, hey, I mean, silence might seem like, ugh the protocol and the sign might seem like the ruling class but guess what 
as is the case every single time. There were rebels, there were dissidents. Where did those people go? We find out in this book. Not all of it. We start to find out, right? Because what I've mentioned this before, what I think Nalini does really well is in each book, as we meet each couple, we are given information about a different corner of this world that directly ties to these two people. So Talon being human, uh, Clay calls her Tally. So at some point I'll probably start saying Tally instead of Talon. That's the same person. Um, Talon being human, we now start to hear more about humans in this world in part because of the fact that she is human and because we need to understand what it means in this world um to be human and how that might affect this triumvirate of races or whatever so this book i think does a really good job of making it clear to the reader that just because someone is human doesn't mean that they're like useless because it might feel that way right like but these other two groups can do this and then humans are like so i woke up and i had breakfast and went to work and I came home and that's it uh but that's not just it um now I'd mentioned that this is sort of a second chance type of book because Clay and Talon have a past they knew each other as children and their past is friends dark dark not as dark as another couple that we meet late in later book which uh as i was like thinking of other second chance books i might have read and if nalini had done any others in the series i was like oh there is another couple that like met as you know as in in when they were children and the trouble and then you know managed to get through it all so i think part of why second chance doesn't always work for me but does in the case of this book okay so part of it has to be nalini singh wrote it and i it listen when i say stan i have read her entire backlist back to when she wrote for harlequin okay every book read many of them more than once or twice or three times so nalini wrote a second chance i'm like yeah i'm gonna read it like other people i would have been like psych no but like i don't even think i was thinking that uh this is a hard book uh interestingly enough this isn't a book that necessarily like again rips out my heart i'm as i'm rereading i'm realizing the first few books and i now i wonder if it's because my intro to the series was branded by fire which is mercy and riley's book that's not the next book the book after uh, book six and i'm wondering if because i then read these first five books after the fact right that i met other couples i i don't know but there's something about this book that's like really difficult and yet still i'm not like sobbing and crying in the fetal position going nalini how could you how could you as i do with a different book um but it's still a difficult book because the past that clay and talon have is awful it's not it's not cool uh oh it content warning for sure for this one um there is sexual abuse and it is it's 
not like on page she's not like and then the no but it is clear what is and it it sucks it's not it's it's no bueno and so now this is a book i have like picked up and reread as opposed to like faith and bond which i literally only reread when i'm like i'm gonna read the series from book one to wherever we are i have picked up mind to possess randomly um and read about talon and clay uh and i think it's because and you might be like this is crazy but in this case talon is like our is like the reader she is literally just human like we are right she is she doesn't have powers she can't change into an animal um and so like the reader she has to grapple with the fact that she is falling for a man who has immense like physical power over her and so in some ways I feel like I can relate to um, Talon McCade in a way that might be harder with other heroines. Because the other heroines who aren't human literally have powers that we don't have because we don't live in this world. So sorry. Um, And so I think part of the reason why I gravitate sometimes to rereading this book is that. Now, Clay, um, how do I put this? I like Clay. Clay's an asshole. Like, who, girl? Shit. I mean, dominant men tend to be alpha holes in the romance, but shit. This man is like, my name is Clay Asshole Bennett. Um, and part of it is obviously his past. I think that he is very much just a character who's like, I'm what? say that again you know and so it's also really interesting to see these two characters on page falling for each other because again as someone who in this case we can relate to talent in a way that i feel like we can't relate to other heroines it's like how do you deal with a man who's like that and then understand that part of why he's like that isn't about him specifically choosing to be a dick, but it is literally or sort of how he is wired. Because um, something that I think is sometimes hard for people to understand, or at least that comes across to me, Nalini is letting us know that changelings are wired a certain way and being protective of the people in their lives who are weaker whether they be children whether they be other women um even other pack mates who just aren't dominant who aren't soldiers for the, the 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 changelings who are dominant soldiers their need to protect and defend what is theirs is absolute and so when that need, not when that need, when they aren't able to do, to defend, to protect, whether it's because the, the ailment or the issue is not something that they can, that is, you know, causes them a lot of pain and, and stress. Uh, because that is, it's not about like, I'm just being a dick about this. It's like, I'm literally wired this way. Now, I do think that he has moments where he says things where I'm like, damn, like, shit, you are an 
yes for saying that and for thinking that. And I also think, having reread this several times, that a lot of his anger is really directed at himself. I don't necessarily feel that there's enough of that on the page. So I think sometimes he was like, he's just angry at Talon and he's a dick. And I'm like, he is, but I don't think that it is about him being angry at her. It's about him being enraged with himself, but taking it out on her, which isn't that any better now. It's not, it's not. Um, And so it is, uh, it's a book that I enjoy and I love them as a couple together. And I don't necessarily think I could see either one of them with someone else, but it is a a couple that sometimes I'm like, really dude really dude really dude um and it's also really interesting because um aria did a post on smart bitches trashy books about unlikable heroines and she spoke about um side changeling heroines because she was like these are the ones i know the best um and i'll put a link to the post in the show notes so that you can also go and read it um and Talon is brought up as an unlikable heroine because she's supposed to be supposedly rude to people in um Dark Hunter and I'm all part of me was like okay but like she doesn't know these people and her past is hella traumatic like she's unlikable because she's not like oh my god let me embrace everybody with fucking open arms like that don't make no sense that don't make no sense and I would have been hell aggravated if that's how she was because i would be like so if you so easy and easy peasy to trust these people then like you know what i mean like what and i i think and i've always felt this way that i think that people have an issue with her more so because of her past in terms of like what happens after she is separated from clay um and it has a lot to do with like she has a sexual past and that pisses me off because i get aggravated all the time i always get aggravated when readers are like i'm annoyed that the woman has had like sex with people uh before what like listen i've read books where you know homegirls are virgin i mean in the series technically all the side people are virgins they don't have sex but like being angry that a woman has a sexual past when you don't have the same energy for the men who have a sexual past get out get out get out because that's some bullshit and i guess i that that's you're like wow Esther, you're, you seem really upset about this i feel that way because i i feel like that's sort of the excuse that's always used to make it like women feel bad um because it's like well why do you have a like what you know for example the the thought process like well why does she have so many bodies what and you're for those of you who are like what do you mean i don't mean dead bodies i mean like there are people who will speak um about a woman having x x amount of sexual partners as bodies you might be like wow that's really sort of wow it's fine don't worry about it but it just it bothers me um bothers me in real life it definitely bothers me when i'm reading fiction and like other people readers are like ah, because i'm like first of all this is not real life this is a book and like if for example if clay is out here sleeping with whoever why can't she why why not because clearly this sexual history that they both have because they both have it happens before anything happens between them i can understand you being tight upset 
angry about a heroine who like I you know full on cheats on homeboy and then I was like oh my bad that was a mistake yeah that's a whole other convo but like before they meet she's had sexual partners he's had sexual partners but she's the problem oh pero like no no get out of here get out of here with that it aggravates me I don't like it it's, it's a no it's a no and so this book I think it touches on that and it's just the the level and as I'm reading these books right I just realized something there's really no talk of therapy and emotional healing now there is talk of emotional healing in terms of the empaths in terms of what the Esai, which is what Sasha Duncan now uh, Lucas's mate can do and so I wonder if the reason why there isn't like full-on blown like and then I went to therapy talk is because the Esai provided that function and because they are not supposed to quote-unquote exist that function has disappeared entirely from this universe from this world um which would then explain i mean so much right uh because if everyone assumed that isai were there to help people with you know with literally mental health issues uh with trauma with pain all of those things and then they as a force disappear and nothing is brought into to replace them um then the, we get what we're we're seeing um people having to really work through their trauma um and hopefully come out on the other side better people for it um and in some cases no that's not what's happening so all right i'm gonna pause here and then i'm gonna do like spoilers spoilers i'm pretty sure i didn't really spoil much if you're like esther um you fucked the book for me well i'm so sorry i don't know what to tell you it came out quite a while ago all right so i will be back real soon bye all right welcome back uh this is now the spoilery part in case you're like what's happening now spoilers so if you don't like them Mm, skip and you're gonna be like skip that where till the next section and that'll be in the show notes like i do every episode so come on everybody let's get with the program all right so mind to possess talon uh aka tally and clay bennett so human and changeling pairing um now the reason why you're probably like what's happening the reason why tally and clay um are separated is because and again content warning um for sexual abuse for this book tally was being um abused by her foster parents um and actually content warning for just like well the sexual abuse child abuse uh also uh because her foster parents were like horrifying um terrible people who just were terrible people um and apparently so tally and clay meet because they're living in the same apartment complex clay is half 
changeling half human his mother isla or isla was human his father was um changeling clay as an adult realizes that uh with his father's death if his parents were mated um that would explain why his mother was just not really capable of taking care of him and why she couldn't bear to see him in his leopard form so clay as a young child um it grows up isolated from his culture from people like him because he grows up in an apartment building with other humans his mother cannot handle seeing him as a leopard so he doesn't shift inside his house he obviously can't just be shifting whenever he wants to because he lives in a city in an apartment complex where people will be like oh fucking leopard uh so clay's leopard is stifled in a way that we haven't yet seen so as opposed to vaughn who like you know became leopard to try and survive in the woods and spent a lot of time as leopard in which case his leopard is right underneath the surface because of that reason clay's leopard is also close to the surface but it is because of the fact that he was not able to be leopard uh for so long so clay is able to outwardly act a lot more human than a lot of his changeling packmates like on a level that is like whoa but it's because of this so when they when tally and clay first start hanging out i believe what happens is he breaks his leg in the junkyard that's right behind the apartment building and she um calls for help because her foster father i think is like um too like passed out from being drunk or something like that and she sits with him she's terrified of him um at the think at this point she's three um and he's nine something like that um she's absolutely terrified of him um but she like knows that he needs help and stays with him and then they become friends um all while living in this apartment complex and while clay doesn't really know what is happening to her now things come to a head uh i believe is she 10 uh she might be younger than 10 she might be eight um she's being abused clay is able to hear changeling better hearing he somehow catches like he hears um her and he ends up killing um orin who is the foster father um and what isn't made clear right away but is made clear later on in the book is that orin pleads for his life and clay kills him anyway now talon never says anything and where we are then um understand that the reason why that he knows that like she kept him safe and i remember the first few times i read that i was like i don't really get in it the whole point was had talon said oh well Orin begged for his life and clay murdered him anyway then it wouldn't have been self-defense it would have been outright murder and he would have been put would have been executed um for that there were people apparently at the time when it happens that were like oh my god this changeling like killed this this man he must be put down but because of what the foster father and the foster mother had been doing and as that information came out because it turned out that like uh tally's caseworker was like oh like i don't remember he was like just a drunk who like let the foster family bribe him so that like they could get like you know people that wouldn't be missed quote unquote i don't remember 
and even though I've recently read it, that never seems to be clear enough, but there's clearly like something going on there. And so what ends up happening is Clay goes to prison for four years. She gets put with a different foster family. There's a different, a different caseworker, obviously, who finds her a really great family. But Tally is so afraid. And for most of the book, we're led to believe that she's afraid of Clay because of the level of violence. Like she, she's in the room, obviously, when Clay breaks in to stop her from being abused and Clay kills this man in front of her and like literally goes into leopard form and tears him to pieces. So like pieces of the man sort of fly around the room. You're like, oh, gross, ew. I mean, yeah, but that's like how that works. Um, and so I think it isn't until sort of deep in the book that it becomes clear. It's part of it is that she was afraid of him turning on her, but more so like, as an adult just the level of emotion and if she she could handle that or not so clay does uh tally does something that i think a lot of people have issues with and i don't know i i just chalk it up to she was 12 and traumatized so he goes into prison for four years and because she's so scared that she'll be a burden to him like his mother was and just sort of it's it's a big soup of mess um wait i had mentioned earlier the non-spoiler part there isn't really any talk of therapy there is talk of therapy in this book she has a therapist i so dumb sometimes i completely like forgot that part but she does talk about going to therapy she also talks about not trusting her therapist enough to like stick with her but like she okay sorry um you're like what you get where i'm going so what she ends up doing is she has the caseworker tell Clay, who immediately, like, as, like I think he's released from prison one day and, like, the next day is, like, hunting down information to be reunited with her. He has that caseworker tell him that she's died in a car accident. Um, and he's 18 at this point. So he went to prison at 14, spent four years in there. He comes out at 18, finds this out, gets trashed. And interestingly enough, I think this happens in New York um Nate and Tasman were in the city I don't remember why um I don't know if that's made clear and Nate sort of drags him home with him like kind of like you're coming with me and he's kind of like what and Tasman's like I didn't even know that there were big cats up here like because and that is when clay sort of starts to realize like he's not the only changeling out there which is obviously something how would he know like he grew up literally human um and he is taken in by dark hunter so i thought this was really interesting in that clay is accepted into this family that like pushes and pushes and pushes until he has no choice but to open up in some ways to them not fully uh but open up whereas tally ends up with a human family um the larkspurs they're farmers she ends up with older siblings i think two older brothers and a younger sister and yet she's never really able to connect with those people and i believe she's 16 when she um gets a scholarship and she basically bounces and she just it is never able to allow herself to trust these people um she realizes that they won't hurt her after like almost a year uh, has passed before she realizes like no one has hurt her but because the abuse that she suffered I mean 
the idea is that we meet her at three, but I don't know if the, the, the foster people got her when she was three or got her older than that. So essentially from at least three to, you know, eight, that's five years and those are formative years. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of trauma. Um, so all of that's going on. So you're like, okay, but how do we get to like the meeting? So Talon works for a foundation called the Shine Foundation who helps um, children, human children, a lot of them who are similar to her or in shitty situations and just need like a helping hand, like need someone to help them up, like get them a good foster home, all those little things that a governmental system would just let fall through the cracks. But some of her... Um, some of the children that she's worked with um two specifically um have been killed when we meet her uh a third has been kidnapped and she's positive that he's been kidnapped because she's like i know that he would be aggravated with me but he would contact me and he, the fact that he hasn't um and on top of the fact that this is happening with her like she also is um dying and you're like what yeah she's got this sort of degenerative brain issue happening her brain is literally dying and doctors have checked her out and they're like we don't know what's going on we don't know why it's happening and so she has fugue states where she completely blanks out can still function but has no memory um and part of uh in her fugue state she also um ends up sometimes waking waking up from her fugue state either going with men somewhere and realizing I'm not trying to go there or waking up in strangers beds it's very there's a clear tie between the sexual abuse she suffered as a child and then what is happening in her fugue states so there's a lot I mean all of the couples have like you know background trauma that you're like whoa this is this is i feel like this is a big one i mean brenna was like kidnapped and tortured but this is like but she also has the basis of like having grown up in a loving family although her parents died young but not because like they were like she has sort of the people who were supposed to protect and love her did whereas like talon doesn't have that i mean the only person who ever i guess protected and loved her was clay and then he you know completely lost control of his animal and murdered i mean murdered got rid of that terrible uh foster band uh foster parent um so there is so when they meet clay of course has been living this whole time thinking she's dead and then he smells her and it's kind of like thinks it's like a ghost and then she says hi and he's like you're supposed to be dead (laughs) like what and then she kind of was like yeah i told him to tell you that and they'll break and so i think that this book does a few things that are really interesting right so i talked about how "Mm, second chance not really my thing now in this book it's not second chance in the way we would normally think about it. They didn't date and break up or whatever. And no, they, they were literal children when they were separated. 
14 and 8. Yeah, because they have a six-year difference. But clearly, I think what is the what Nalini Singh is trying to make clear to us is that because Clay is changeling, not human, doesn't matter how much time he spent it as human, he is at the end of the day changeling. And for changelings, protecting those who are weaker than them and who matter to them is literally the most important thing in their lives like this is what they exist for so for a man like clay who is now a sentinel in dark hunter that is the highest sort of soldier title you can acquire um in his pack for him to have not have been able to protect tally from the abuse and then for her to have i guess taken away his chance to protect her after right because by letting him believe that she was dead everything she's gone through after the fact he's like but i could have stopped which is you could be like but that's illogical of course it is but this isn't about human logic this is about how his animal sees things um and to some degree he sees things and so because I think the first time I read it, I was kind of like, dude, okay, like, she lied. That does suck. But she was also, like, 12. Like, what did you, like, you know what I mean? But I now I'm realizing this is, ha- like, we are being shown this to remind us that, like, the changelings are not human. Period. Doesn't matter. They go back and forth, but they are, at their core, still animals. And so the animal doesn't always see the nuance, the complexity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is for the human sorry I got thirsty so there is so much rage I think in this couple in the sense of like Talon is Tally is angry and so is Clay and they're angry at each other and at themselves um which I think is fascinating because and maybe that's why I like reading this book I can really we I feel like the reader can relate to that when you're so angry this person that you love because of things that they did that affected you in a certain way and you know that it wasn't done like maliciously but you're just like angry but then you're also angry at yourself for not um necessarily for the things that you didn't do or couldn't do and is that logical no but we do that we do sometimes get angry at ourselves for not being able to protect a loved one from a certain situation and like logically you couldn't (laughs) logically you could not but logic doesn't always play into that right so this couple has a lot to work through and because they have a past it isn't like the other three couples we've already met who you know have their baggage have their drama but like don't have a shared sort of history that is like and this is a history that's just filled with like mother like you're just like, damn, girl, like, the fuck, what, like, shit, shit, like, it's not, and so, it, I think, does a really good job of showing us how both of these characters work through the issues that they have with themselves and each other through the book. Now, one thing I also noticed in this book specifically, we also 
uh, Clay and Tally's story is the main story, but there's the secondary story is what's happening in the world around them, right? The implant protocol is being more fully explained. Um, we meet the head uh, MSI, which would be that stands for uh, medical side. So people who can see into the human body. We meet her. Uh, her name is Ashaya Elaine. Elaine. Um, and we're seeing the instability of the Psy world. And we're starting to, it's starting to become very clear that that instability affects everyone. Because again, no one lives in a vacuum. So, and I think that this book really does a good job of balancing the two and sort of allowing us to see, because we get introduced to a few, uh, some new people, right? We get introduced to Ashaya. We er, we meet her assistant, um, Ekaterina. We meet Max Shannon, a human cop with a, um, he has like a shield. Oh, sorry. You're probably like, a shield? So, humans, changelings have sort of a mental shield that's really strong. So, for a side person to sort of get into your brain, they'd have to, like, really, like, blast it. And that usually ends up killing people. So, the changelings. So, it's kind of like they don't do it. So, changelings don't have to worry that a side person who has, like, telepathic whatever powers can go in and steal all of your... Essentially, rape your mind. Humans, unfortunately don't have that kind of a shield um there are very low incidences of humans being born with that kind of a shield but not enough that anyone has done anything about it so for most um humans and this is a this is a point that gets brought up again and again later in the series a lot of humans are always terrified of being violated and having everything that they've thought of stolen from them um and so you're like like what imagine you invent something as a human and you want to bring it to market and a side person steals it from you brings it to market before you and guess what there's nothing you can do about that because there's no way to prove that they did that like it's just there's nothing you can do that information that you have in your imagine walking through life sort of like how we're always so scared that like if we connect our cell phones to the wrong wi-fi hotspot all of our personal information will be stolen from us. Now, imagine if someone could just jack into your brain and do that. Just into your brain. Fuck your cell phone. Who cares? Into your brain. That is the level... That is something that humans have to deal with on a daily basis, which is going to be something that we're going to see again and again in later books. Um, because it's it's a huge sort of question, like, and, and then... Like how how do how do how do humans then handle that, right? They don't have any powers, and on top of that, their brains can be violated at any point. Now, interesting. Tally and Max both have crazy good shields. Now, Max is Max's shield is apparently natural born, and he's part of that really low percentage in the population. I think it's less than one percent that is just naturally born with them. Tally's, uh, Sasha is like, you have instinctive shields that I would have, like, to probably blast through. And she goes, and you have the kind of shields that someone who was traumatized as a child would have. So I thought it was really interesting that someone 
who has gone through childhood trauma would then have sort of mental shielding um, in a way that other humans who haven't gone through that trauma have. Now, um, we also meet Devraj Santos, who is, uh, when we meet him, he isn't, he is the leader of the Shine Foundation, I believe, but I don't know if he's exactly the main person in charge, but I think he basically is, like, he's the muscle behind them. Um, so we meet a lot of new characters in this book. Um, and some, you know, Ashaya and Katerina are Psy, um, Max is human, and Dev is a member of the Forgotten. And you're like, the, the, what, okay, what? The Forgotten. Now, as I mentioned in the non-spoilery part, when silence is implemented, there must have been people who were like, nah, I'm not doing this. And you're going to be like, well, what? For example, people who were married to humans and changelings. If you're Psy and you're married to a changeling, you're going to be like, okay, so I'm just going to like strip all emotion and forget I love you. But like we can say that that's not going to work because you're probably mated. And even if you aren't, you're married and like, are you really going to give up your life partner? Because like, what girl? No, goodbye. I'm not doing that. Same thing if you're married to a human. So what ends up happening is that there is a group that drops out of the signet and they decide they're going to drop out and try to connect like link to each other in those moments before psychic death happens where they cut the link to the signet and link, try to link to each other to see if they can create a new neural network so that they can get the biofeedback that they need to live. And a part of them was like, if that doesn't work, we're going to die. But like, we're not staying we're not doing this like it's just we are choosing to either like we're choosing to either live free or or die what ends up happening they are able to link to each other um and they create they call it the shadow net um here's the thing the sire like well we can't just like have a people who don't agree with silence just like flourishing because then the people who do believe in silence are gonna be like well why can't i like so what does you know the council do um of that time uh start to hunt these people down so with the forgotten what this rebel faction basically does is decide we're gonna disperse your and we're gonna try to keep records but we're gonna disperse but what ends up happening why Shine essentially exists as a foundation is trying to find the descendants of these people, of these families who dropped out. Because here's the thing. If your grandma was Psy and let's say, for example, you've got a kid. Uh, actually, one of the characters, John John Quill, they call him John. John has a high percentage of Psy uh, genetics or genes in his um in him and he is a direct descendant of a cardinal like telepath so not only is he a descendant of a psi person but he's a descendant of a cardinal who are amongst the side the most powerful right they have on their gradient scale of zero to ten they are above ten and you cannot sort of quantify their powers just like whoop, power lots of power so he is the great great grandchild of this man so even though the forgotten obviously then intermarry with other humans and other half size and whatever 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 obviously the side gene pool doesn't just like die off and so what is now happening is 
so you have all these different sort of things that are going on. Now, we're like, okay, so we got like kind of side people. But of course, the council always wanting, you know, extreme power and all that jazz is hunting these people down. Now, in this book, um, John, who is one of uh, who is the last of Tally's children, he is kidnapped. Now, he isn't kidnapped specifically because he's forgotten. One of the forgotten. Um, He is kidnapped because some a different guy on the implant protocol team is supposedly trying to figure out how the implement can work sort of differently from what Asha is doing. But it's clear that he's basically a psychopath and just likes murdering or a sociopath and just likes like torturing and murdering children. And he's sort of found a like a, a, a quote unquote uh, legitimate way to do it. But as is as we're being shown, these serial killers are sort of popping up or not popping up there. It's becoming more apparent because they are, for example, he like leaves the bodies where people can find them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot that happens in this book that again is, is sort of pushing the reader to understand something huge is happening in the side net, something that we don't quite yet know what it is, but we're getting the hints of it right uh we had met the dark mind i believe in the previous in faith's book um wait did we read the dark mind in faith's book or maybe not but something is happening and it's because again the side it's not that they don't feel emotions that they condition it out of themselves and out of their children but if you've only conditioned it you haven't removed it it's going to try to come out some way, right? And so emotion, um, especially the darker emotions, uh, are trying to come out whichever way that they can. So sociopaths and serial killers are like, I'm here, what's, what's up, what's up? And it's like, what? No. We also find out in this book that like, uh, there are definitely rebels um in the sinet the ghost is one ashaya is also a doctor now she doesn't believe in the implant protocol is she a complete rebel no but she clearly is someone who's like what the council believes or wants to work towards don't make no sense right because the idea is that these it these implants will go into babies and it'll create sort of a hive mind and the council will have like the power to tell the minds of everyone else what to do and she's just like nope that's that's dumb that don't make no sense um so clearly we're starting to see that again i'd said this earlier there is the critical point is approaching um and when it does ooh, it's gonna be a doozy a doozy um, so yes, there is a lot sort of going on in this book. Um, and I'd mentioned earlier, like human contribution is really sort of talked about in this book. Um, because Tally's kind of like, I'm just human, like all these other people all, you know, for, because she's like Faith and Vaughn and then Judd, well, not Judd and Brenda, that's not, but it's like Faith and Vaughn and Lucas and Sasha are the two mated couples. Like these are two men that have mated with non-changelings and she's like, yeah, be, like I'm just human. Like they're at least side. And Clay's like, skirt, 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 skirt. What? 
for us changelings humans are like like are very important she's kind of like why uh so we get another glimpse into the past um apparently in the 1800s there were the territorial wars um and this was literally changelings like murdering each other left right like going to war and um the person that brings about sort of the peace treaty adrian kenner i believe is his name is human and so clay sort of explains and this is i think very much like i'm explaining to tally but also i'm explaining to the reader that the changelings weren't going to listen to a non-predatory changeling because they'd be like girl we can just murder you they weren't going to listen to sai either because sai like could just be like fucking with your brain and so this human man was able to be like if you continue to do this a you're going to obliterate each other off the face of this earth and i think also appeal to the fact that especially for predatory changelings who are dominant and soldiers protecting those who are weaker is literally part of their like life's purpose so you keep doing this right you're gonna keep killing each other's young is that really what you want to do is that really what you want to do and that is like hold up you're right and so he mentions how the fact that this one man was able to bring about the change that was needed so that changelings aren't just wholesale slaughtering each other left right and center is really important then there is a very very small scene um at the end of the book with clay and tally and tally mated um their bond is also within the web of stars which is what the web that sasha and faith are jacked into and can see is called now changelings obviously do have not having they do not see this web like they can't just open their eyes and be like oh look there's a web only the side can but everyone who because the sentinels all have a blood oath with lucas that is what has created this sort of network and now you've got these two side women and now a third human woman and Sasha is is woken up from her sleep because she realized something's happening in the Web of Stars. And she notices that it is working even stronger than it had before Talon showed up. Um, and it is, and Talon isn't doing anything specifically. She's just there, but the web is like hella strong. And she realizes, oh, this is how the web is supposed to work. This is an enormous, and I mean enormous clue of what we're going to see happen in the Sinet many books later, right? The Sinet currently just has side people, no changelings, no humans. So if this web, if this web of stars, if this network is at its peak in terms of productivity, in terms of like health, because it has people from all three races in it, what does a network that only has one race in it look like and can it be healthy pretty sure y'all know what the answer is i'm pretty sure y'all can figure out the answer the answer is no the answer is no it can't be healthy so that is going to be huge later on down the line um oh also random sort of side story so i totally forgot that like i said oh talon is dying talon like uh is 
fully registered fully registers as human but apparently there is enough sigh in her background i think she was like annoyed she only had three percent but that three percent of her of, of of her genetic background that is sigh need needs the same biofeedback that regular sigh need of course would you think that only having three percent sigh that you would need that of course not you would be like nah, you basically human so whatever so her brain was starving for biofeedback from a neural network when she bonds with clay which when she made bonds with clay i don't think either one of them like really i, I feel like nate nate i th- feel like clay knew but was like i'm not saying nothing because like, she gonna run um and so she fares it out later but when they f- do finally mate, um she basically draws the biofeedback that she needs from clay who obviously is in the network and now she's in the network and so they mention how as opposed to like faith and sasha needing like a full-on shower of biofeedback she literally needs like a spritz like a little little light mist of feedback that's all she needs to be healthy but had she not gone in that she would definitely have died and Devrush mentions that the main because at first Devrush doesn't give them all the information he's just kind of like yeah we you know just reach out to these humans because they need and then they try to figure out wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you started collecting this information exactly around, around 100 years ago da, 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 da. and um oh and Sasha notices that one of her great grandparents is mentioned and she goes on to have a child so it's clear that something else is going so they figure out no they're actually tracking the descendants of side people who left the net and so he mentions he's like well we do that because there was um saw a girl a boy that everyone thought he was schizophrenic because he could hear all these voices but because everyone assumed he was fully human but he wasn't and he actually was like um what is the one where they can hear people's minds is that telepath I believe so. So there was like the reason why the Shine Foundation is also tracking these children is not just like to you know create a safety net for them, but because like they might need more help. And again, and what one of the doctors mentions is some of them are coming are now being born with new abilities that have never been seen before, um, which is something that the council isn't quite yet aware of um and of course the forgotten want to make sure that they're not aware of so this book so all of a sudden i feel like this book answered a few questions and then like loud a shit ton more at you like i answered this question and i answered that question but now you got more questions don't you well keep reading yes keep reading um now i'd mentioned that there was another couple in the series that also has like a bond in childhood that's broken in trauma and then um and that would be caleb krychik and sahara kiriakis um and those two whew, that book comes uh that's heart of obsidian i think that's book 10 i could be making that up but i'll get to that book but that who i mean clay is an alpha hole but caleb is that talk about a dark hero dark so dark very very dark so like if you took onyx and ebony and like literally black hole matter and made it even darker very 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 dark but i also like love him so anyway so that is another example of a couple that is like 
has a bond in childhood that is also like filled with trauma and then are reunited as adults and then we get to sort of see what happens there all right so i'm gonna pause here um and i'll be right back okay so second chance romances that i have read recently that i did actually like um like i said it's not a trope that i like seek out i'm like oh my god second chance oh no but i have read it recently and i actually enjoyed both of them quite a bit so i think when it's done well i'm like yes girl but it has to be done well so the first one is you're gonna laugh it's called a second chance road trip by jackie lau and you're like really yes really that's what it's called now i really really love this novella uh spoiler um i got to uh like read the arc and sort of help out uh do like an early sort of sensitivity read for it so i really really like it but no it's um i think why i really liked a second chance road trip um is because the two characters so um yeah now I'm like blanking on her name. I'm like, oh my god, I forgot what she was called. But I remember what he was called. Um, so the heroes, Greg and Tasha. There we go. Greg and Tasha were high school sweethearts. And normally, high school sweethearts, I could just be like, oh, okay, whatever. But Greg and Tasha don't break up because Greg was a cheating bastard or they had a misunderstanding or something like that kind of aggravates me they break up because they do what we tell young people to do so they're both in school they have specific dreams of what they want to do in school uh he wanted to go to a program in Windsor I think um and she wanted to go to she wanted to go to University of Toronto did he want to go to McMaster he wanted to do a specific co-op program at a different school. So as opposed to, do, like I said, doing what um, people always sort of rag on teens about doing. It's like, oh, well, you're going to that university, so I'm just going to not follow my dreams and follow you. They're kind of like, no, we're each going to follow our dreams. And I think it's after like the first semester, because of the distance, he's kind of like, maybe we should break up because like long distance like we're both so busy with school and she's kind of like yeah and I think partially Greg is like I mean maybe she needs like like what's like maybe I'm holding her back um so these are two people who break up because they made the I guess mature choice to follow their dreams and go to the schools that they wanted to go to as opposed to one of them Oftentimes, it's the woman giving up her dream and following the man, and then it doesn't work out. No, that's not what they do. They're just like, you know what? Like, we've both worked really hard for this. Let's, like, do this. And and then it's also that, like, oh, we've been in high school. So, like, like it can't possibly be the one. That's uh, foolish. That's, that's, like, you know, what happens in books but not real life kind of thing. So, when these two meet again... um, they meet again they both live in toronto um and greg moved to toronto because he always assumed he'd move there to 
because him and Tasha would be living together, married, all that jazz. But even though that hasn't happened, he still moves to Toronto and prefers it over uh, the small town that they grew up in. Um, they end up driving back home together uh, for Christmas because Tasha's car is, like, I think, in the repair shop. Something happened to it. And um, as happens in small towns, his mom and her mom saw each other at the grocery store and his mom was like of course my son will drive your daughter back and then like tells him after i i love that like the mother was just like yeah craig will just drive her back she doesn't need to rent a car or take a bus and so she her mother tasha's mother is like greg's driving you back and like greg has no idea until his mother's like so you're driving tasha back and he's like i'm doing what but why but how but i was planning on like listening to cbc radio one like you just ruined everything so it's funny to be because greg is very much like really though like i was planning on just like chilling on this drive by myself and now i gotta like drive with my ex-girlfriend from high school like i guess and greg is very sort of set and like i do things a certain way and they leave late and then of course um on this road trip there is a snowstorm and then they have to spend a night in a motel and there's only one bed in a room that doesn't have electricity well no first it has no heat but it has electricity and he has a space heater in his car because uh, he has a winter preparedness kit um and then the power goes out so there isn't even that so ugh, this also has like one of my other fun tropes that i love one bed one bed so i was like yes yes and I think what I also really liked about it is that they weren't like cruel to each other like during the break like they literally it's like they made the sort of mature decision of like oh this is long distance we should just focus on our careers because like that's what you do um but they weren't ever like awful to each other so I'm not like reading it being like like Tasha like that time that Greg said whatever whatever like that doesn't happen um and vice versa like it I'm not like but Greg Tasha like hurt you like no there is none of that so it feels very much like two people who made a decision which seemed to make the most logical sense at that time in their life and are now meeting at a different time in their life and realizing that um they are so good together um and so it is a like if you're like well I really want to read it but like I don't know like do I have the time first of all it's a novella so I ain't gonna take you that long second of all it's like really like Jackie writes I think really well she it's humor like there's really great humor because she does the grandparents oh my god his specifically his grandparents Oh my god, Ama and Aye. Oh, I love them. I love they are hilarious. I love them. So if you haven't read any Jackie Lau, uh, I don't know what you're waiting for. Seriously, I don't know what you're waiting for. Just get get the books. Um there'll be a link in the show notes um because just get them. They're good. And it and so this is actually book 2 in the series because she did a sort of um a holiday novella series. So the first book was the holiday was Thanksgiving. Book two, it's Christmas. Book three is Chinese New Year. Book four is Valentine's Day. Uh, as of today, 
Uh, and when you're hearing this on February 10th, all four are out. So if you're like, you know what? I really want to uh, meet the Wong siblings and read them in order. Uh, you can. They're all out. You don't have to wait for them. And they are available uh, ASAP. Um, but they're really... I Oh, I've mentioned this before and I'm mentioning it again. Uh, Greg Wong, uh, according to Jackie Lau, is Henry Golding with glasses. Yes! Henry Golding with glasses. So basically, hot. Very, very hot. So hot. Rip his clothes off hot. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really did enjoy that because I think it was like, it was second chance. So they had their past, but there wasn't like all this like ugliness there. It was more like, it was refreshing that like these two people were like, made these choices that again I feel like I read second chances where like that's not what happens and I'm like why did you do that you threw away your your life for this fool and then it didn't work out and da, da, da. like it's not it's it doesn't have that animosity that that's just like ugh, just under the surface that I'm reading it like I don't like this no this felt like this felt good to read and I was rooting for them because I was like, oh my God, guys, you're together at last because you were supposed, like you, because they allowed themselves to grow up into the kind of adults who could come together when they do, as opposed to like fucking each other up for the rest of their lives. So that is one second chance that I'm like, I give it five stars. I give it all the accolades. Uh, you should read it. The other one, which I'm like, is this second chance? Or is it like chance 3004? I'm not sure. I am I feel like a part of it is second chance, but then I'm like, mm, but is it though? Um, it's Every New Year by Katrina Jackson, which came out December 31st, 2019. So also recent. You don't have to wait for it. Uh, you can read it right now. And Candace and Ezra are two people who keep missing like like they keep coming together every new year <laughs> hence the title uh but keep like not figuring their shit out and when when we get to present day because the book does a really good job of like showing us these two characters every new year in the past and when i say past this goes on for a while like from college to present day which i think is like a decade or more Actually, I think it's more than a decade. I think it's almost two. Anyway, um, when they finally get their shit together, I'd be like, that's their, like, last chance. So I don't know if it's, like, a part of me is like, is it second chance? I don't know. But it was also, again, to me, two characters that could have gotten together when they were younger. Um, and in some cases, I think should have. But Katrina does such a wonderful job of breaking down why both Candace and Ezra just kept not taking that final leap of faith to be with the other person um because these are two people who like I mean there were moments where I wanted to be like if y'all don't just get together already what are you doing what are you doing 
what are you doing? But at the same time, I was like, I'm rooting for them, so I'm gonna keep reading because, like, because I mean, it's a romance, so I'm guaranteed an HEA happily ever after. If not, I'm pretty sure I would have been screaming like a banshee on New York City's um, streets. But I think it's a really cool and great example of, I at least for me, the kind of second chance romance that I like. Because similar to Jackie Lon's book, it's not like they... I mean, they weren't technically ever together together, so maybe it's not... Whatever, I'm considering it a kind of... An offshoot of second chance, if you will. Um, And it's really well done. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on here before. If I haven't, well, I'm talking about it now. I know I've talked about Katrina Jackson... Katrina Jackson before. Uh, She's probably like, girl, stop saying my name. (laughs) Never gonna happen. Never gonna happen. I'm gonna say your name all the time because your books are so good. Um, (laughs) No. Guys, if you are like, I don't know who to read this year, put on the top of your list these names. Katrina Jackson and Jackie Lau, Nalini Singh. Just these are the three authors I've talked about today. And I mean, your lives will be so much better if you read them. So much better. And you're like, well, I'm not sure. I am. I am very sure because I've read their books. Their books are great, phenomenal. I mean, I have other authors, but. Uh, I am pretty sure I'm over an hour and a half at this point. I might not be. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, those uh, Second Chance Road Trip and Every New Year are sort of like uh, second chances that I'm like thumbs up, five stars, all of the fireworks, all of the hearts, whatever. I really enjoyed them. I think that they're really well done. And you should definitely go out there and read them. Um, this comes out Monday, February 10th, which is um, the same day that House Rules by Ruby Lane comes out, which, oh my god, I totally forgot. That's also Second Chance because it's two exes who decide to move in together in New York to like, you know, save on rent, which like is so, so quintessentially New York. I know lots of people living with people who they don't necessarily care that much about but it's like oh but the rent though but the rent though uh so i'll put up with you and you're crazy because the rent though so yes i totally forgot that yeah so february 10th when this is out so is house rules by ruby lang um if you want uh to read it i excerpt it's up on my blog right now um as long as well as links to buy and what else there's something oh uh wow the thought i had that seemed very important just literally three seconds ago is gone so i guess it wasn't that important i I, I don't know what to tell you it ran away um next week's podcast is going to be on the next book in the series in case you're like but I don't know what that is. It's okay. I will tell you. Okay. It's going to be book five 
It's called hostage to pleasure. Yes, hostage to pleasure. Woo, yes, delicious. Came out in February 2008. So, you know, there's like, again, going to be spoilers because it came out in 2008 and we are in 2020. So it came out 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Wow. February 2008. I'm still living in Toronto. I'm still living in... Canada. I still had it. Oh, and I had just started working at Starbucks. <gasps> Sorry, guys. You know, little trips down memory lane. But in case you're like, wait, what? Yes, from 2008 January to October of 2013, so five five years, almost six. I worked at Starbucks, and I actually worked at Starbucks in both Toronto and New York. <sighs> And let me tell you, people are insane about coffee. Don't matter what side of the border you're on. And I don't get it. People people yelling at you over coffee. I'm like, I'm sorry. Did your child die? No, your child is not dead. You're complaining about foam. You're complaining about whipped cream. You're complaining about what kind of milk you got. And losing your mind over it. Listen, the stories that I could tell y'all about some of the shit I saw as a barista. Whew, my word my lord um yes but anyway hostage to pleasure is the next book in case you're like i've read the books but i don't remember which couple that was good old motherfucking dorian christensen oh my god i just realized i've been saying dark hunter i think for most of today's episode and it's dark river Anyway, you guys love me, so you know what I mean. Why did I say Dark Hunter? What is that from? Is that a show? I don't know. I mean, it could be because, like, Lucas is a hunter for the pack, but I don't think that's what... Anyway, whatever. Oh, boy. Wow, Esther. Wow. So, Dark River. Dark River. I don't know why I said Dark Hunter. And no, I'm not going to go back and edit that out because... No. Wow. Anyway, book five. It's going to be Dorian Christensen and um, Miss Ashaya Elaine, Elaine, Alien. I don't know how to say that last name. Sorry. And uh, I feel like I'm not sure what other book I'll talk about. Um, this pairing to me feels very much, you know, enemies to lovers, sort of. Because like Dorian hates Psy people. And Ashaya is Sai. So, you know, yes, uh, lots of questions there. Um, so that'll be next week's book, um, which will be out. Ooh, what day is that? Is that the. Let's look at the calendar to see what day in February. Oh, it'll be the 7th. So that episode will come out on the 17th, which is President's Day, if you live in the United States um, and celebrate it because apparently it's a regional holiday. I don't know how it works. If you don't live in the United States, I think it might be family day in Ontario, Canada. If it's not, well, oops, my bad. Um, But I'm pretty sure it is. um, And what else? Yes, I think that's about it. If you have any questions or you have any comments or you have like, Books you want, something you want me to talk about specifically related to romance novels. Okay, so sorry I don't read other books, but I'm weird. Um, hit me up on Twitter. You know, 
slide into my DMs on the Instagram. And, uh, or, you know, uh, send me an email. I'm pretty sure my email is in my blog. Yes. Um, all that will be in the show notes. And I can't wait uh, to talk to you guys next week. All right. <laughs>